Hello and welcome to the series finale, at least for now, of Trek Film Society, the show on Talk Film Society where we take a look at the Star Trek movies through a more critical eye. I'm Mike, and as always, I'm joined by Marcelo. How's it going, Marcelo? It's going great, Mike. Um, the voyage is over. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, what can no. you do? And Diego. How's it going, Diego? That was actually kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and in, a, in a good way, in a touching way. This has been a lot of fun. It's always nice talking and hanging out with you guys, but that, that, that got me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there's other uh, movie franchises or directors <laughs> that we can uh, yeah see I, we, we haven't talked about whether we're going to do anything else beyond this beyond um yeah. but uh i don't know it's it's, it's worth talking about it maybe um i don't know what yeah. it could be you know but uh, i we'll mean see. i've got an idea which i've been holding on to for years which you can i mean you can tell me to you know fuck off and <laughs> and and i can cut this out but um <laughs> response is so upset all the time <laughs> you can tell me to fuck off you don't like the idea because that is not the first time that has been said on the show we can just say you know feel free to disagree but we're always no, no, jumping no, no, to like no, no. the end level saying, like, that's what i was saying like, hey, no, saying, no, I know, feel, I know. feel free to tell me to fuck off get your fuck offs fine. ready here we I, go i wasn't saying like you know you can tell me to fuck off <laughs> you know i was saying like no i invite you to tell me to fuck off you know that's no no i, I get I, you. I welcome i welcome you telling me to <laughs> fuck off um, <laughs> yeah no 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 i mean the one thing which i've always thought would be cool to do is to do a series on the mission impossible movies where you do like double features with like the movie but then also like the director's most like critically acclaimed movie or something like that you know so like talk about mission impossible 2 and whatever the killer whatever you know you know what i mean it's just an idea just throwing it out there mike it's an idea fuck off that's a great idea <laughs> yeah. okay all right there you well, go positive i like that great. idea and see i okay. and and you know let's let's not say that's the idea but it's an idea, it's an uh, idea. and i'll say i'll say it makes sense because of the 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 Orsi and, and Kurtzman connection, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it goes deeper than that. It goes all the way back to the very, very beginning. The very beginning. Well, when... it, it connects all of them, <laughs> like the Michael Bay Transformer. Oh, I mean, like not Star that. Trek. Oh, 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 oh! I wasn't even thinking about the Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so well, this Orsi. is we're just like the Kurtzman. Oh, you know what's next then? <laughs> Amazing Spider Man. No. <laughs> I've already talked about that a couple times. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not. I happening. refuse to see those movies again. <laughs> yeah. Me um, too. Yeah, but no. Oh, yeah. So Orsi and Kurtzman wrote Transformers and what was it, the Island? Um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for for Bay, and then they wrote some Star Trek, and then they wrote at least one Mission Mission Impossible, Impossible so. Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But Mike, you were saying there's another connection. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, back in the day, you know, Desilu, uh, the uh, oh, yeah. the Lucille Ball company, they uh, were obviously known for doing I Love Lucy and, you know, comedy, sitcoms, whatever. And uh, Lucille Ball, who was a very savvy um, producer, was like, I want to 
branch out. I don't want to be stuck in the sitcom box as a producer. I want to do all sorts of TV. And the two shows that they came up with were Mission Impossible and Star Trek simultaneously. Oh, and this, the, the network greenlit both of them. Um, and, and then they, they both aired simultaneously they started at the same time wow and mission impossible well it was cheaper so that it continued you know and uh when star trek was canceled like leonard nimoy was a huge star so they were like oh let's move him over to mission impossible you know and then taking it all the way up through you know the kurtzman and orsi and jj abrams and you know all that stuff they get the job on mission impossible 3 that leads to star trek it's yeah it's just it's all it's all connected but i like that idea uh we'll 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 come back and see if that's what we're doing (laughs) all right sounds good sounds good because i i like it but yeah um let's see stay tuned folks if stay tuned if if we're gonna start i can't even think of a name for it mission trek no mission society no (laughs) you know what screw it let's continue Save this conversation for later. All right. So today we're going to be talking about Star Trek Beyond. Uh, but before that, let's get into our last television episodes, which also are you know cover our last television series, Enterprise. So uh, yeah, this is a show which started in September of two thousand and one. And the episodes that we watched uh, came out a couple years after that. It was at the end of season three, or at the end of season two, and the beginning of season three. And uh, that started the show in a new direction. And um, yeah, this series in general is about like the origins of the Federation, you know, with like Scott Bakula on the first Enterprise and all that good stuff. And, and that's just sort of like how they, they were differentiating it from the rest of the, the franchise. So, um, yeah. Now, Diego, you I don't know how much, how much Enterprise have you watched uh, over I have, the years. I have recollections of watching them on Channel 5 on Saturday afternoons during the day when I was home by myself. My parents were at work. I come from a working-class family, so that was a lot of my Saturday afternoons, right? And because by that point, I was already introduced to Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, the original series, and, you know, you know my history with it now. I love it. And so I was like, another new Star Trek show? Oh, cool. And so, like, I couldn't tell you what order I watched any of them ever in, but I, I do have one feeling I always had and I watched it and that was this is weird this is this isn't right <laughs> something's not something's not okay here and you know like when you're yeah. younger it's like you, you don't really process media the way you do when you're older so you're just mm-hmm. like you can't I don't like it. That's what, that was in my mind all the time so you know yeah. it's kind of exciting to go back like now and be like Let's see, like, maybe it's something that changes with age, you know? Maybe uh, it's like watching Citizen Kane when you're, like, five, and you're like, mm, no. And then you're older, and you're like, oh, yeah, that is that is one of the best. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, 
before we get into it, it will, just to set up this particular episode, um, they had done two seasons where it was really like, oh, you know, like like aside from the fact that it it, it was like any other Star Trek where it was just like, we're going to go to this planet and there's going to be some weird aliens and whatever. But, you know, the the sort of like defining difference or whatever was like, nobody's ever done this before, you know? And it's like, okay, fine no one's ever done this before but in reality you guys have been doing this for the past you know 13 years at this point and we're kind of all getting sick of it right like the the second season during the second season was when nemesis came out and we talked about how there was like franchise fatigue going on and all that stuff same thing going on on the show and it was just dying you know they, they, at one point they brought in iris stephen bear who had you know run deep space nine and they're like could you just like watch some episodes and tell us why it sucks and he's like sure you know so he did you know and they're like okay uh you know there's like how do you fix it he's like i don't know how you fix it but it sucks you're right it does um i don't know if it went down exactly like that but that did happen anyway so for season three they had decided like we're gonna do something different we're going to tell a serialized story and uh that's where we're at here as the second season finale set up that that story and then you know season three they just hit the ground running and did it and yeah marcello what did you think about this you know what i i didn't hate it you know it 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 was it was an easy watch although the one thing i have against it the one thing that really bugged me was the the, <laughs> the 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 theme song? <laughs> oh, the theme song! Oh, what? What's your problem with the theme song? <laughs> it is maybe the worst theme song of any TV show I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't I mean, get it. I don't understand. Was this a theme song throughout all four seasons? Yeah, but in season three, I don't know if you noticed it, but they put a little like backbeat in there or whatever. I'm not a, a I mean, so so like so like in the in the first season, it's like kind of like you know, it's been a long road. But in the second season, they're like, it's been a long road to do. No, you know you know where that song comes from. You guys know where that song comes from? No idea. Okay, because the technically the name it's not. You know it, the the technical name for it is theme from Enterprise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the reason is because um, it originated as a song in uh, the motion picture Patch Adams, <laughs> <laughs> and okay. they had like exclusive rights to it or something. So yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> you know, b- b- besides that. I mean, it's of its time, sure. The special effects aren't as great, even as like the other shows I've seen, Star Trek shows. But um, I don't, I didn't mind. And and but but now that you say, Mike, that like this is like the turning point of the series where they're going in a new direction, kind of seems like it. It kind of seems like they're trying to save themselves. Like, let's have a purpose. <laughs> let's let's do this. Um, it works well enough, I guess. I wasn't. I mean, there are elements of it that I found found like interesting. Obviously, like 
in the in the episode deals with like an attack that kills like what seven million people, and Enterprise is charged with like finding, you know, the 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 culprits, and of course it's a. I mean, we, we. I said this phrase a million times in the last episode, but it's very post nine eleven. It deals with like the people in the crew dealing with this tragedy, and people being angry. People are saying these crew members are saying, "Let's go take them out." And the the military comes in. You know, you know, they 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 board the Enterprise and join the the crusade. It's interesting, sure. Um, that's all I gotta say. I mean, I, it's 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 fine. You know who I really liked is um, I forget. I don't know the actress's name or her character name, but the 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 the, the Vulcan character. I like her a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, T. Paul, T. Paul. Yeah, T. Paul. Yeah, yeah. She's um, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting character. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say, Mike. <laughs> I don't know. They just, they, they were going for something there and I, I don't necessarily know that it worked, but uh, there's an episode where you find out uh, her grandma invented Velcro. Um, <laughs> what the hell? That was cool. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. You know, I, and I, I do want to mention this too. We briefly talked about Enterprise a few episodes ago. And I was going to jump into it, and I don't know if you guys remember this. I said, I know how it ends. That's really all I knew. All I knew oh, before yeah. watching this ep- these episodes is I know how it ends, because I yeah. had heard people were upset by it. So yes. I don't know if we want to jump into that, too. Uh, yeah, we can we can get into that. We can get into some other stuff, too. Um, but first, Diego, what did you think about uh, this? I'm also familiar with the ending, because... Not to jump ahead, but I think there's a good reason why we're all familiar with the ending, even if we ha- hadn't seen it in full. Um, yeah. It is notoriously panned, like, from top to bottom. And mm-hmm. um, this is a very depressing little double feature before we go into Beyond, because it is a franchise, like, completely, like, on fumes, grasping for, like, some semblance of relevancy, I found, and, like... There's some, like, exciting stuff happening, like, you know, with, with, with the attack, but, like, I, I don't care. <laughs> it, it is a little... I don't want to be a downer. It's the last one we're yeah. doing. I'm like, yeah, Star Trek! And then it's like, oh, yeah, Enterprise. It is, like, yep. like you guys... Are, it is like you guys are saying. It's like the last gasp of this era of Star Trek, which is fitting since we're... I don't want to say, like, we're... We're gonna, we're gonna talk about Beyond as it's as as if it's the end of an era because we don't know yet if know. you know if that crew's coming back or not. But um, it's the end of this ep- of this, it's the end of this podcast series, so that's something too. Um, yeah, like thinking about it more, I I feel like those two episodes of like Deep Space Nine that I saw were like vastly superior for one, and like <laughs> um, Enterprise just seems like. Me not having seen any any other Enterprise, but just hearing you guys talk about it, it's like they're just going for Deep Space Nine. Like they're just kind of trying to do that, make it like relevant, make it connect in that way. So I'd rather see more Deep Space Nine than Enterprise at this point. Again, not to be a downer, but yeah. yeah. Uh, when this first came out, like I, I mean, I had lost interest in Enterprise throughout the first two seasons like i was just like i can't I, i've been doing this my entire adult life you know i can't 
continue down this road because it's just too boring. <laughs> That's <right>? depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they're like, uh, well, you know, we're, we're going to do like a serialized story. I was like, oh, finally, they're catching up, you know. And 24 was, I mean, that was the big thing at the time, right? I mean, these two shows started within days, if not you know, weeks, if not days of each other. So, you know, you, you kind of look at like what the, the high point in television is at this point in time. And it's like Star Trek was really lagging behind. And now here they were trying to do that. And, and I was completely on board with like an ongoing series. And it really did, um, sort of jumpstart my enthusiasm for the franchise and everything. And I was, you know, totally into it. And I was really into also sort of like how, I don't know, dark and realistic. And it, 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 it was becoming, you know, like Star Trek always, you know, fighting with that idea of, you know, the Roddenberry box and like everyone needing to be nice to each other. And now, like desperate times call for desperate measures and, and, you know, like things were just like, there were no rules. Right. And then there was just something about that, which was really appealing to me to kind of like see on screen. I mean, the one that I always think about, which occurs maybe a couple episodes after this one, there was an episode where, um, they needed information from a guy and the guy was not going to give them information. And like one of their crew members died. It was like the first time like a crew member had died on the show, you know, and it was like a turning point. It was like a big deal. And the captain, um, you know, basically takes the guy and is like, you better tell me he, I mean, he goes like full Jack Bauer, right? He's like, you better tell me, you know what, what I need to know or else, you know, I'm going to like, suck all the air out of this, you know, compartment, you know, like throw you out the airlock sort of thing. And he like sticks him in this thing and closes the door and starts like decompressing it. And like the crew is like, he's going to die. And the captain's like, not for another 30 seconds, like things like that, you know? And then like, they, there was like a thing where like they, their ship broke down and they needed a part for a ship. And, uh, there, there's, there's like another ship coming and they're like, Hey, this is an emergency. Can we borrow this thing? And they're like, if you do that, then our ship like will be stuck. And they're like, yeah, but like, you don't, you're not doing anything important. We're trying to like save, you know, and they're like, sorry, but no, we cannot do it. We sympathize with you. We cannot do this. And they're like, fine, then we're just going to have to take it. We'll bring it back, but we're going to have to take it. And they do. And it's like, whoa, you know, and I'm like, this is like, we've never seen this in Star Trek before. This is like so cool. And I remember like going to a convention and this guy who like would be at all the conventions as sort of like the MC who used to be like Gene Roddenberry's assistant back in the day. Like he gets up there at this like officially licensed event and he's like, what the fuck is going on in this show? Like, this is ridiculous. Gene would be, you know, outraged. This is not what Star Trek is. And I remember at the time, like, sitting there with my friends thinking, like, look at this guy. Look at this, you know, Gene Roddenberry. Like, he's just all, all about the Gene Roddenberry, and he doesn't know. And now I look back at it, like, 18 years later, and I'm like, 
nah, nah, he he was he was right. He was totally right. Like this is this is weird. You know, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, and it's and it's not even but is it like Enterprise is supposed to be like the beginning of you know Starfleet and the Enterprise ship and everything? Isn't it supposed to be more like? Like, it's the be- it's the begin it, it is the beginning and it is hopeful but it, it's also you know and the thing that they would say is it's like this is about how we get to where we are in the other series and it's like okay you know i can kind of get that i mean the thing that we should say since we're talking about the movies too and the connections like this show was created by brandon braga who wrote you know um generations and first contact and the stuff that we see in the past in first contact with like Zephram Cochran and everything, that's really sort of like the basis for this entire show. It's like, this is picking up, I don't know, like 50 years after that, like James Cromwell's like in the first episode, like as Zephram Cochran, like on a view screen, like saying like, we may, and he's like a he's become the legend that they talked about him becoming you know so it's like and it's about like the Vulcans who you know have been here and like after they introduce it and everything is nice and first contact now the Vulcans are like yeah humans are, they're, they're, they're kind of dumb um, <laughs> but you know whatever we'll help them out but you know I, this seems like it's not a good idea because they're kind of dumb you know and, and, and that's sort of like uh, it's in a lot of ways first contact is like issue zero for Enterprise so that's kind of a weird thing but also now going forward into this arc w- one thing which emerged was they brought a new writer on staff uh, named Manny Cotto. Yeah. And he uh, he he was only like second in command or something on this, but it became clear very quickly that he was like the most talented guy in the room, right? And he really did sort of, um, I don't know, make it good like 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 in a way that it hadn't been so much so that by the time season three ended braga was like like he he flat out said like sometimes you create a show and there's someone else who gets it more than you do (laughs) so he he basically stepped away and gave it to manny Cotto to run in season four and see, and and Manny Cotto being like a huge Star Trek fan, season four was the season where they're like, I mean, we talked about that finale. They wrote that at the end of season three because they didn't know whether or not they were going to get canceled. So it, they they got renewed for one more year for no reason other than that would get them up to a hundred episodes and then they could sell reruns and stuff like that. You know, that's the only reason why they got a fourth season. So the writing was on the wall. Everyone knew the fourth season would be the last. So they were just like, fuck it. Let's do whatever we want. They're like, let's explain why Klingons have ridges on their foreheads. <laughs> let's, let's explain, you know, why, uh, uh, what happened with Khan's people. Let's, let's, you know, do a mirror universe thing and bring in like the original series series and have like a Gorn and I mean they just did everything right because they didn't care so it was total fan service and it was pretty great you know it was uh, I mean that was, that was definitely great everyone was like this is what they should have been doing from the beginning why didn't they do this but man the show gets canceled and then Manny Cotto gets hired to work on 24, 24 along with and he and he brings in Brandon Braga 
and and then Manny Cotto hooks up with Joel Cernow, I believe it is, who is the uh, creator of Twenty Four, and then the two of them go off and create a, a show which you were talking about earlier called. Um, I believe it was called the Half Hour Comedy Hour. I've got it. Yeah, we were we teased this at the end of the last episode. Um, how my my faintest memory was finding out that Manikoto was right wing because <laughs> this show was on Fox News as yeah. advertised as the Daily Show, but for conservatives. <laughs> yeah, and the name of the show is the Half Hour News Hour. Half hour news hour. Yeah, that's what it is. And it ran. From- it's a hilarious title, right? I mean, <laughs> I get know, it because it's, it's like it's like a news hour, but it's only a half hour. Can you get it? It's hilarious. Uh, so from February eighteenth through September twenty third, two thousand seven, it ran. That's it. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen a couple of clips because, you know, I'm obviously for, you know, whatever historical significance, I'm curious. I mean, there was like one clip that I saw where they were basically doing like this whole bit about how like dumb liberals are for believing in global warming. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 Holy pretty. It's fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and like, here's the thing, right? Like. I'm I'm all for multiple viewpoints and everything like that, but Star Trek in its DNA is a very liberal show. It's a very, you know, pro-science show and everything like that. And when you have the franchise run by someone who doesn't believe in global warming, I mean, maybe he does, maybe, who knows? I mean, there's tons of, you know, but that sort of thing going on, that's but at the same time i do think it's really interesting because i've always i I always say this like star trek is a reflection of the times that we're living in right i mean i i always said like good or bad star trek is important to watch because it informs us about the world that we're living in and enterprise you know we're living in a post 9-11 world and this is what we saw as being the right thing, right? Yeah. It's just weird. <laughs> it is very weird. That's a way of putting it, Mike. It is very weird. But, um, yeah, I mean, let's why don't we jump to the ending of Enterprise. Because I, oh, yes, yes, I, yes, I, yes, I, yes. I, I want to say it, and I want to see if I'm right. Because this is, this is what I remember. And my memory of Enterprise was mainly con- you know, uh, consisting of Getting the TV guides because I used to subscribe to TV guide and and like seeing like what's his name um, uh, 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 Captain on the Enterprise uh, Scott Bakula Scott Bakula on the yeah. cover uh, the Vulcan on the cover she was great um, and then you know cut to the end of the show and I just hear this whole kerfuffle about the end and like why are people upset so my from my memory from what I remember is it ends with <laughs> everything being a holodeck it's all fake is that true (laughs) not exactly okay break it down the the last episode is um it's telling the story of of what you know basically what it does is it jumps ahead a couple years and it's telling the story of 
what ha- you know looking back at it and they're like what happened you know to, to the crew after you know th- these four years that we saw how did things end right but it's not just like you know five years later you know it doesn't do that what it does is it, it essentially has this framing device where Riker and Troy aboard the Enterprise during it actually takes place during a specific episode of next generation where like Riker is faced with a choice, right? And he, he has to decide what the right thing is to do. And what apparently was going on during the commercial breaks in that episode is he was going to the holodeck and watching essentially replays of this pivotal moment in the history of enterprise and because of that, like everything that you see is it's basically like he's watching the episode, right? He's watching the episode on the holodeck and then he's talking about it with Troy and what it all means, right? So so the events that you see in that episode occurred, but what we're seeing on screen as we're watching them is just a a replay of those events that that takes place aboard the Enterprise during the Next Generation era. And people were livid because they thought that this was not a worthy finale for Enterprise. Like, they did not get their chance to shine. This was an episode of Next Generation. (laughs) And the reason for that is because... Brandon Braga and, and Rick Berman, the creators of Enterprise, had been working on this show since the next generation, right? I mean, they'd been doing this for, at, at this point, it would have been like 15 years or something like that. And they saw this as the end of 15 years of Star Trek, not just the end of Enterprise. And they were trying to do that. They were trying to, to like, tie it all together. And in the process, they, like, basically failed the enterprise crew so much so that like scott bacula like went in guns blazing and was like what's this this is some bullshit how dare you you know and and like brandon braga years later was like he was right (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of people consider like the the second to the last episode which was a, a story arc involving peter weller as being like the true finale to enterprise and, you know, and that was written by, and like, if you ask Manny Cotto, he's like, that was the finale. And then there was like a postscript, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And and he's right, you know. And I mean, the thing that we'll say about Manny Cotto, even though his politics are completely um, at odds with Star Trek's politics, like he was a really good writer. And there's no denying that the show got substantially better when he jumped onto it. So there you go. Diego, if I could just you, read the reception yeah, go ahead, go ahead. on the Wikipedia. It's actually it, guns blazing is a, a good way to put it, Mike. Oh, okay, yeah. Quote: These are the voyages was negatively received by both critics and the show's cast. Before the episode air, 
Blalick called the episode appalling. She followed up her remarks by saying she was upset over the finale being a The Next Generation episode rather than an end for Enterprise. Connor Trenier, who played Commander Trip Tucker, felt the finale should have had a memorable farewell that was described as a mash moment. But the producers did not want such an element. Anthony Montgomery, who played oh, Ensign... And they killed him, by the way. And, so. and they killed him, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anthony Montgomery, who played Ensign Travis Mayweather, was similarly displeased with the finale and said, I feel there could have been a more effective way to wrap things up for our show, as well as the franchise for a whole. It just seemed to take a little bit away from what the Enterprise cast and crew worked so diligently to achieve over the past four years. And even Jonathan Frakes said, it it goes longer, so I'm just going to condense it, (laughs) that, like, you know, it's kind of messed up. They they made us, like, guest star on their finale and... It, they treated like the guest stars on their own show. <laughs> like it's, mm-hmm. it's very unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny because like the 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 ending I had in my head would have made people even more upset. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it was like, all a dream. It was all yeah. a dream. It was like all fake. It was all because in my head, I don't know whatever. I read Hollow Deck and I'm like something something. And I'm like, oh, so the whole entire series was just in the Hollow Deck. It was a training <laughs> program. That's what I thought for years. <laughs> I was wrong. So, but that yeah, sounds not, that sounds bad though. That sounds it sounds good. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing about it. Like, it, 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 you look at like what it is and everything, and like I can understand why they're all upset and everything like that. I can understand why people don't like it. But the fact of the matter is, like, you just look at it as an episode of television. Like Marcelo, as someone who could not give a shit about Enterprise, <laughs> you would watch it and be like, "Yeah, it's fine," you know. It's not, like, earth-shatteringly bad. It's just in bad form, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it would be, like, as if, like, um, Better Call Saul, like, I think it's ending in two years. If that finale was just mainly comprised of um, um, the uh, Brian Cranston's character. Walter yeah, White, yeah. just him, eighty percent of that. Him and Jesse, him and Jesse, just <laughs> talking sh- about that time Saul did that thing. <laughs> yeah, that time Saul did that thing, and it cuts to like ten minutes of um, uh, Bob Odenkirk, and that's it. I'd be upset. Yeah, yeah I'd be upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's it is what it is. I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. But um, yeah, what was I going to say about that? I forget. I mean, they. if I can really quick, the last thing I want to pull for a quote was that um, it was described by Brandon Braga as a Valentine to Star Trek fans. So it definitely yeah. came from a good place, you know? It's just... Yeah. yeah. No, and, guys. And, <laughs> no. Right, right. And, and he's... I mean, everyone involved with it, you know, Brandon Braga has said, like, yeah, it was a shitty thing for us to do, you know, and and they and I think it was just that they didn't realize it, you know, yeah. they just didn't know what that was. So it is, it is what it is. I think do you th- sometimes it's okay to be a little more critical about the things we love because if not, <laughs> maybe yeah. you yeah. get finales like this. Yeah, I, I had a question. Um, do Star Trek fans one actually? like enterprise and two is there like enough fandom there for it to come back in some form i don't know um i would i would say the odds are low i mean there's it's got a few things going for it i mean here's the thing about it and and this is true i mean it's true of any star trek it's just the thing you know where it's like when it first came out people were like 
fuck this show, it's a bunch of bullshit, you know, and then there were some people who were like, ah, you know, it's good, it's, you know, whatever, it's Star Trek, you know, and now people have discovered it on Netflix and everything, and they're like, this show is pretty good, and, you know, it is certainly with the expectation, I mean, expectations for this show were high. Like, you know, every other show got seven seasons. They were going to get their seven seasons too. And then the big plan was like, by the time they're done with their seven seasons, we will be done with next generation movies. And then we'll start making enterprise movies like that in in an alternate reality right now. We're watching a bunch of enterprise. We we would have gotten enterprise movies instead of JJ verse movies. That was the plan. So okay, Hollywood star Scott Bakula yeah. would have been the, the big box office draw. No, Aww, but I mean that's what I it is. Scott Just Bakula. like I mean, I do too. Yeah. But like in another well, universe, he'd be like Patrick be Stewart. Same deal, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it. At William Shatner, same deal. <laughs> you know, I mean that was how it was done, and that's what they were going to do. And then you know the ratings, it just tanked, and they canceled it after four seasons. And you know, people are constantly saying like they should have gotten a season five. They were just finding their way. You know, and and people have been asking for a fifth season for years and years and years. And I mean. You can't blame the studio for not giving it to them because you look at the ratings, they should not have made it out of season two, let alone season three, you know? And they're, they're the youngest cast of, of that, you know, of the Berman era, obviously, you know, it, it, there's uh, the closest connection to like the Discovery era. And there is sort of like a rich history in between you're like getting into like the the founding of the federation and then the romulan war right which i mean those are two like major events which have never been seen so there's and now i mean all with picard and everything it's like all bets are off anything is on the table i don't necessarily know that there is a demand for it compared to other things like i mean certainly there's been a huge campaign for you know like the return of deep space nine and that i think it would be more likely than enterprise in some regards because it is a much more beloved show you know like that sort of thing but at this point, who knows? I mean, it, back when Brian Fuller was was creating Discovery, you know, he he ran into Scott Bakula, and he's like, "Hey, Scott Bakula, you know, I mean, like you're on the CBS show, your character is like probably like a hundred, you know, whatever." But you know, I mean, like you could you could be on Discovery, you know. I mean, it's it's like something which was discussed, you know. So, who knows? It's possible. It could happen. You never know, you know? But I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I await CBS Access. It's their move. So, yep. Has- hashtag bring back Enterprise. Yes. So now, I mean, we've talked a lot about Enterprise here, but there's one more thing to talk about in regards <laughs> to this specific episode, the reason why we watched it, okay? Oh, yeah. And that is the Makos, the the Stephen Culp and uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, he, he has like one line in this, which is surprising because he's like a really big actor. Daniel Daniel Day Kim, sorry. Oh Daniel yeah, Day there it is. Yeah, that's Thank right. you. Yeah. yeah. 
right? You see him, he's mm-hmm. there for like two seconds, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but those guys, those guys. So so the, it was like this weird thing, like they're bringing in the military, you know, and, and obviously part of the whole thing. Um, so, so, okay, I guess first, what did you guys think about that, the idea of like military? And I mean, there might not be much, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's not like it's <laughs> super juicy or whatever, but what, what did you guys think about that? Well, I, I think just in terms of like a contrast of what like Star Trek usually does with these kind of narratives, I don't know. There's there's always potential in the worst Star Trek stuff. <laughs> that's that's my attempt at being nice right now because I don't want to be mean, but there's always potential. Okay, what, what did you think? Marcel? Much yeah, much like um, last episode. Well. It, re- it reminded me more of like Star Trek in the Darkness, you know, the whole bringing the military into Starfleet. And like I said, like, there's this anger in it that's very post 9 11. And um, I don't know, I think, I think it's an interesting aspect of the whole thing. Um, and yeah, I was like, I was like very much like, hey, it's Daniel Day Kim. Uh, I know him. Yeah. Um, it's it great to see him for like a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I I don't know I, I enjoy that aspect of it. Um, that's about it. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, shifting gears to Star Trek Beyond, right? Okay. Um, well, let's just hold on to that. We'll we'll hold on to that for for <laughs> to a Beyond. Minute. Okay. No 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 no. We'll hold on to the Makos. We'll hold on to the Makos. Okay. Yes. Hold we'll that. Hold that thought. Okay. Okay, so uh, before Into Darkness came out, I think, if I'm not mistaken, but it was right around that time, that's when Disney bought Star Wars or whatever, and then J.J., you know, jumped on board to uh, uh, the Star Wars franchise, and everyone started freaking out, because what does that mean for Star Trek 13, right? What, who, who's, who's directing? You know, J.J.'s gone? What's going on? And back before that happened, they had grand plans. I think when they thought Into Darkness was going to be like the shit, right? They were like, oh, you know, the big thing was that the Klingons were, there was going to be like a Klingon war. They were going to come to Earth. It was a big deal. Uh, there was some um, speculation and some, uh, I don't know, some, some, some talk that uh, Khan would be coming back. You know, what? and play play a role in this. I mean, at one point, Damon they, they asked Damon Lindelof, like, uh, you know, are you going to bring Khan back? And he's like, well, kind of, you know, it's like Cumberbatch was so good. I mean, how do you not bring him back? You know, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, listeners, I'm shaking my head seriously. <laughs> no, I, I, I remember that this. quote. I don't remember this yeah. at all, which is insane. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, they had big plans. You know, Kurtzman and Orsi were on board to write it and everything like that. And then um, it became a search for a director. And there were a number of people who were lined up. Uh, I believe the first was Rupert Wyatt coming off of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which to me, I mean, that's like a slam dunk, right? Like he just Mm -hmm. killed it with one, you know, classic sci-fi franchise. And now he's coming onto this one. I'm like, hell yeah. But he backed out, I think, due to creative differences. And then they brought in someone who really seemed solid and, and looked like he was going to do it, and that was Joe Cornish. Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, 
things didn't really work out with him either. They couldn't see eye to eye. So he left. And at this point, Kurtzman had gone off to do something. And they brought on a couple of new writers to work with Roberto Orsi, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, never produced anything, still haven't to this day had anything produced, although they, they were uh, writers on the Jungle Cruise movie, which is, um, they, they, they didn't get credited in the end for that, but they did work on that. And now they're the showrunners and creators of the Lord of the Rings no. TV show. So, so there you go. So, so they... Out. Yeah, they they came on board to write uh, the script with Orsi, and Orsi was going to direct it himself. That I remember. Yeah, <laughs> that those were dark times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I I was excited about it because of these dudes. Like, I don't know. I mean, they, they, it was like they were young and whatever, and you know, I the, the stuff started coming out about like what this thing was going to be. I mean, the thing about it is it was the 50th anniversary. Like everyone knew it was coming out in 2016 because they were celebrating the 50th anniversary and they were going to tell some sort of story that involved time travel and Kirk and Spock meeting their future selves who were going to be played by William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Right? Like that was the thing. That's what that's what was going to happen, and apparently something, something didn't click, and at the last minute they were like, "This is not working. We need to start from scratch." Orsi was he, he parted ways. I, I don't know necessarily <laughs> like if that was mutual or whatever, and uh, there was um, they were shooting I think Ghost Protocol at this point in time. And, you know, same producers and everything. And, and I think it was one of the producers, Brian Burke or someone, was talking to Simon Pegg on the set. And he's like, we're really in some trouble. We don't know what to do. And Simon Pegg was like, oh, well, what you guys should totally do is this. <laughs> and Brian Burke is like, that sounds like a great idea. I think you should totally do that. And he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so so they hired Simon Pegg to write it along with uh, Doug Jung and then they hired a director at the very last minute, Justin Lin. And, oh my God, the fans, they just lost their minds. I, I was like, oh my God, this I mean, is amazing yeah. because Fast Five yeah. and the thing. Lost their the minds thing. in a good way, right? They all rejoiced. I, I, yeah, I, that's, I was like, this is amazing. And and then everyone was like, what? The Fast and the Furious? <laughs> that was mindless. Are these just going to turn it into a mindless action movie? It's such a bullshit. This is going to be the worst movie ever. How dare they? They're ruining the franchise. They finally killed it. It's <laughs> dead. And I'm like, guys, watch, watch like, you know, Better Luck Tomorrow or something. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, come on, guys. This is good news. Is he even a Star Trek fan? How dare he? Oh, my God. And he's like, oh, I watched Star Trek as a kid. And they're like, that doesn't fucking count. You know? <laughs> it, it, 
<laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. But he was brought on board. And they did a thing because there was like, they were, they made this movie at like the speed of light, you know, like faster than, than, than the cars and fast and furious because they needed <laughs> to get it out by, by 2016. And they did like a thing where they like premiered the trailer or something like that. And they had a whole like fan event at, the Paramount lot, which was like by invitation only. And, um, they invited like a ton of people, like including like podcasters and stuff, which was really cool. And, um, Justin Lin was there and he was just like hanging out with people at the after party. And all of these like hardcore Star Trek nerds were like, Oh my God, look at his shirt. And it was the Mako crest. Right. Ah. And they're like, that's such a deep cut. Like, look at this guy. He's, he's awesome. Like, is he a real fan? He might be a real fan. He's got a shirt, you know, like with an Enterprise reference on it. That's pretty badass. Right. And people didn't really think anything of it aside from the fact that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a deep Enterprise deep cut. But then, and we'll, we'll get into the rest of the thing, but, but then when you see the, the the thing, it's very subtle and they just gloss over it. But the whole backstory for Idris Elba's character is that he was a Mako. Oh, right. And he talks about like, he's like, ah, oh, it's all the same. You know, like I fought the, it's the Zindi, the Romulans, which was like the war that would takes place after enterprise. And then, you know, they were like, okay, enough of this like military bullshit. We're, you know, going to transition you and make you Starfleet. And he just couldn't, adapt right like that's his whole backstory because enterprise is before the timeline you know split uh, so okay. every that that's all jj verse two yeah so he that that's and that's why you guys see, watched those two episodes of enterprise you, you <laughs> see you said mike um and i'm glad you brought it you I'm glad for that journey okay because it's okay. explained a lot because <laughs> when you mentioned that the episodes take place in two timelines. I did not know what the hell you're talking about. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, no, 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 no. But I'm glad you explained it to me because I, I, I wasn't going to say, Mike, what are you talking about? They take place in two timelines. That makes no sense. Now it makes complete sense. Okay. <laughs> so, so thank you for that. And now I, now, now I understand. Okay. Well, I've been talking way too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> but so so now we're into beyond. So yeah, Marcelo, what 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 do you think about where did you see this in the theater? I did see this in the theater. Yeah. Um I I should check my letterbox right now to see because I think I've only seen this like maybe once before. Hmm. Maybe once or twice. But I have fond memories of it. Um it holds a special place in my heart because like you said it came out the year that star trek was turning 50 and uh, it, it didn't come out on my birthday it came out what like in july right no i don't yeah. know what, when it came out yeah but, it was uh, in july yeah, yeah july it was the the week before the convention yeah. i i always make it a habit to watch you know I, I try to make it a habit to watch wrath of khan on my birthday each year and um i liked that it had that reference in it, you know. It was it was um, Kirk's birthday. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That that plotline was there, and I go, oh, that's that's pretty special. I like that. And you know, thinking back, like I remember some of the action moments. 
I remember some of that, but like the thing that stuck with me, the thing that like I re- I still have crystal clear memory of, is like the beginning and the end of the movie. The end of the movie we'll talk about, but that ending is to me like one of the most beautiful moments in all of Star Trek, and I got like kind of emotional watching it again. So that always stuck with me. Um, the movie itself as a whole, I did love it by the end, but I don't know. It, to me, it has some issues in the middle. I don't know, but it's a Star Trek movie. I think it works. I, I do like this movie a lot. So yeah, I was a fan back then. I'm glad I rewatched it for this and it's, it's, it's a nice ending. So yeah, that's how I feel about beyond. All right. What about you, Diego? What do you think about, uh, some quick backstory. Beyond. I was championing this movie like you, Mike, when I heard Justin Lin got it because yeah. while I love Fast and Furious movies for like their action and he just completely revitalized that. Even before Fast Five, I think people forget Tokyo Drift is like a really good movie about culture dynamics. And I, I don't know, I have a whole thesis on that, but like <laughs> I he's really great with ensembles and stuff, and so I was like, perfect. Like it, it's right there. No one watches movies, they just no, no one understands yeah. why he's a good choice. And, and, I, and, and just, just to interject there, like, I mean, something that a lot of people were bringing up back then, which is true, is it's like the Fast and the Furious movies are all about, like, found family. And that is exactly what the original series is about, too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, anyway. No, no, I mean, you, I'm so happy to hear that you were on the right side of history all this time as well. <laughs> uh, and then the Sabotage trailer came out the opening night for Star Wars Force oh, yeah. Awakens. And I yeah. remember hearing groans in the audience, and I was like, everyone's oh, out yeah. of their fucking mind. This movie's going <laughs> to rule. I and love I, that, by the yep. way. Yeah, I love that too. And then the trailers just kept getting better and better, and I was like, I'm in tears. I can't wait, because that's when I started falling out of love with Into Darkness, and then I was like... <laughs> This is this is the sequel they deserve, and then I didn't get to watch it opening weekend because I was at Comic Con for the first time that um, when that premiered. Then I saw it the week after with two friends that I dragged to it who have never seen Star Trek in their entire lives. So I was like, okay, this would be kind of interesting. You, whatever, they're Star Trek Star Wars fans though, so we'll see how that goes. And then um, we all came out of the theater and we all loved it. Uh, my friend mm-hmm. Noah, shout out to you. Um, he was like giggling and cheering in the seat right over to me and just like having the time of his life. And I was like, awesome. They did. They, they made another Star Trek movie that works for everyone, but it is also a great love letter to 50 years of, of the saga in a way that the producers apparently didn't care about notifying the rest of the public because holy fuck, they just, they botched it so bad, but the movie's great and I love it with all my heart. It is kind of crazy, like, and and this uh, a lot of this had to do with the fact that this was in that time frame when um, CBS and Paramount had split. But like, even at like the Star Trek convention, which was like the week after this movie came out, there was no talk about this at all, right? Like, they just were just like, whatever, it's, it's a cool movie, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was cool. You know, uh, Suicide Squad's out now, too. That's also pretty cool. But, you know, I mean, it's just like nothing. It's crazy. Um, and where now I think it would be a lot different, right? Like now mm-hmm. everybody would be involved in all that stuff. So, and, and yeah, 
Paramount, I think, didn't care because they weren't involved in the merchandising and anything like and everything. And then CBS didn't care because it was not their movie. So it just fell through the cracks. It's so weird because maybe that's why it kind of fell through the cracks for me. Like it's it's like one like I don't tend to revisit as often as like even the other two. I don't know why that is because this is like it turns out to be like it's it 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 is a fun movie. It's super fun, but it has like that emotional impact at the end, which I, now thinking about it, may want to see, you know, maybe double feature this and Wrath of Khan for my, for my birthday now, because like it's 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 poignant, and I I, I mean yeah, I, I guess we shouldn't talk about the ending yet, but man, it, it I think it works overall, and you know uh, I I just get into my one complaint about it. And this maybe was brought up because, Mike, you talked about it in the last episode. There is that kind of like reboot-itis happening here, too, where I think Kirk and Spock aren't yet where they need to be, which I kind of gave leeway to in the last movie, In Inner Darkness. But here I'm like, they're still struggling. <laughs> like They're not yet there. So that issue kind of bothered me. But it was, I think it was like kind of minute. It's, but I'm like, yeah, like they should just be together for this adventure they shouldn't like because like yeah kirk is like i'm gonna you know get reassigned and spock's like yeah i'm gonna get reassigned too yeah it's 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 them trying to find each other when like they i think maybe they should have taken that step already i guess i didn't really see that as being quite the same thing because to me that was almost like they were like ah we're kind of over this like we've we've been through it all you guys didn't see it but we yeah. just we just went through the original series and now we're kind of drained, you know. Maybe that's it's, why, because yeah, uh, they, yeah, right. They do mention they've been away for three years, right? So yeah, three yeah. seasons, yeah, right. Yeah, maybe it's because I missed all that. That I'm like, yeah, well, they they were just together. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. would I would change two things in this film, um, and I understand. There was time and budgetary constraints on this. Like Justin Lin, what a like honestly, he might be a god. Yeah. The amount of time he filmed the Star Trek movie, and it's like not only competently it's, shot, well staged, well acted, yeah. well directed, like severely underappreciated filmmaker for his time. Like wow, um, yeah, for, for for what could have been a complete disaster, he yeah. just pulls through. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the one thing I'll change at the end that we'll talk about, it is not the ending itself, which is great. And I know what you're talking about, Marcelo, uh, but there's some, the premise of, of Kirk being bored already, I think would work if this was the fifth movie, which is kind of what I talked about on our into (laughs) darkness episode, not the third movie. And the first time we see them out in uncharted space. Yeah. Um, That's, that's really it. I, I'm not, crazy about that direction for this version of Kirk, but it doesn't break anything for me. I like what they do with it. I'm just like, you should have held on to that one a little longer. You could have done something else with them. Yeah. No, I could see that. And and I mean, there. yeah. For me, I mean, I, I do I do like this movie a lot. Um, I, I think my complaint is more based on my personal expectations for it and with it being the 50th anniversary and everything like that, I was expecting, hoping for something rather significant with, with maybe like a certain amount of, um, I don't know, 
weight to to the the franchise i i was hoping for undiscovered country is what i was hoping for i guess you know mm-hmm. and, and what we got was a nice little story what we got was this is gonna sound bad but insurrection you know we got like okay. we got, I mean, this, this is i'm not saying in terms of quality but in terms of like scale and everything like i see this as being just like a nice little story this is this is a a good episode but it's not you know like this grand epic that had been established in the last two movies you know like this is a much smaller scale and all that stuff and and that that was kind that kind of bummed me out the other thing which kind of bummed me out was um you know i really wanted to see more stuff on the ship you know and i know like lynn has talked about wanting to deconstruct the franchise and say like what do you have when you when you're you don't have the ship what do you have when you, you don't have anything right like is does it still hold up to the ideals of of the franchise still hold up and i get that you know and that's cool and all and that's fun for you know like just a, a random thing but you know especially at this point in time we were only getting like two hours of star trek every three years or whatever and it's like i want the whole package and then you see like what he's doing in space you see the opening of the movie and you see the end of the movie which take place in space and you're just like holy shit this is the the best space stuff star trek has ever seen right it's like stay there like when you go down to the planet it's just kind of like whatever you know i mean not that it's bad but it's just kind of like whatever but oh my god the stuff that they were doing in space was just amazing i mean like the sabotage sequence in this i mean come on my theater erupted when that happened (laughs) that was very satisfying with an audience Yeah. yeah so that that's the thing, and I know there's a lot of people like I mean, we you talk about like Star Trek fan reaction. I mean, the fan reaction, the hardcore you know TOS fans are like, this is the best of the JJ verse movies because this is the most like an episode of the original series. They nailed the characters, they nailed the tone, everything about it is true to the original series. And because of that, you know, it's it's the most acclaimed amongst Trek fans. Um, amongst movie fans, it's like number two, you know, behind the first one. And there's a lot of people who, you know, don't like that second movie. And uh, Simon <laughs> Pegg was one of them. You know, they, they asked him, like, well, how do you deal with, you know, in the darkness? How do you deal with the magic blood and all that stuff? And he's like... We just uh, ignored it. We yeah. just didn't yeah. talk about it. And you could say that Into Darkness doesn't take place and just skip over it and this movie still works. Yeah. And just erase <laughs> Alice Eve from existence. Just, yeah. That was, that's that, sad, that bummed me out. You, you yeah. Know I mean, come sucks, on. Yeah. 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 Like, I know least. Simon Pegg yeah. said, like, well, I couldn't find a thing for her to do. And, like, you know, yeah. writing movies is hard, and this one had a time schedule. So, you know, not to give them too much leeway because women getting a spotlight in the industry is already just so fucking difficult. So, I'm not going to give them too much leeway either. But, like, I get it, but also, come on, guy. Like, you inherited this. You gotta. Y- y- 
you got to make it all work. That, that's uncool. I love this movie. Yeah. This is my favorite of the JJ verse for sure. Uh, and you guys know how much I love 09. But that still fucks up. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, it, I guess the the other side of that is that um, even though they completely abandoned, you know, one one character, they, they did introduce another, which is Jayla, which everybody loves, you mm-hmm. know, rightfully so. I mean, she's a pretty, pretty cool character. Yeah, and I, you, I like her you, a lot. And do you know why she's called Jayla? Why? No, why? (laughs) (laughs) Because when they were writing it, they came up with this character and they were like, oh, you know, it's this character which is basically just Jennifer Lawrence and Winter's Bone. So they kept on referring (laughs) to her as J-Law and Winter's Bone. And then after a while, they were just like, just call her J-Law. So she's named after Jennifer Lawrence. I'll take it. (laughs) No, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. No. That's the most okay. ridiculous thing. <laughs> J-Law? Ah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Look, fine. I know w- the world got Jennifer Lawrence out. When she comes to play, like, in a quality movie, that's a good actress. I'm not... Oh, no. she's awesome. Oh, yeah. I love Jennifer Lawrence. I just... Yeah. The rationale of, like, the lazy writer saying, Let's just call her J-Law because we've just been calling her that. We don't need to figure out another name. <laughs> No, that's fine. That's fine. Because, you, you know what? That's, this is why it's my favorite of the J.J. Verse movies, too, and very high on my list of movies, which we'll get to later, is that it's got the scrappy nature of the original series, which is not like a barometer of like what all Star Trek needs to surpass or anything like that. It is my personal preference, though, you know. Obviously, everyone has their own opinions of what their favorite or the best is, and that's that's totally fine. But for me personally, that's why I like that because of the scrappy little timetable they had, the scrappy little name of J Law, J La, like whatever. Like it's, I don't know. To me, that's that's amazing. I love that. Fine. <laughs> so dorky. Fine. Fair. Fair. Yeah, but I, 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 love, I, I, think, uh, I mean, it sounds I, it, it sounds like a very Simon Pegg thing to do. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I was to say I love uh, Sophia Botella. She's amazing. Yeah. She should be in more things. And when they cast her and when she appeared as that, as an alien, like, you know, in her full makeup, I was like, beautiful. Perfect. Oh, 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 the makeup in this movie is amazing. Yeah. And yeah. completely snubbed for an Oscar win. Exactly. They yeah. invented I, 50 <laughs> new species. And it's like, wow. Like, it, if you it, watch that and you find out it was nominated and it didn't win. And find out, uh, yeah, once you're looking at that, find out what it lost to and you'll be more angry yeah so, yeah, yeah. stupid do that listeners okay. <laughs> i'm not gonna tell you figure it out <laughs> yeah yeah what can you do well i mean you could talk about like idris elba's character and you know i mean that idea the, the thing you know having just seen enterprise i mean like you can really see how i mean and one of the things which is cool about it is like they're not afraid to sort of deal with that mythology. I mean, we talked about the Makos and the Zindi and everything, but even like the Franklin, you know, which is the ship that they inherit, that is very, I mean, you look at the design of that ship and it comes from that NXO one, you know, it is just, you know, sort of like the evolution of that, which is, is pretty, pretty cool. Actually, it should be, it's very. It doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> is it before? Is it after? Okay, I guess it's before. But then it can't. Because yeah. So technically, I guess the ship 
it doesn't make any sense. Ships should be before Enterprise, but it's actually it should be after. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's it's from that era, and it's really cool to kind of see that. Also, like fun fact, uh, the name of the ship, the Franklin, that's named after Justin Lin's dad, Frank uh-huh. Lin. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Who that's like nice. Yeah. introduced him to Star Trek or whatever. So yeah, that's cool. now 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 that I like. Okay, yeah, that yeah, that I can take. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I really like the villain in this. He's not he's like one rewriter away from being like really good. He's good here. Like he, he could be yeah. great. It's it's so close. But he's he's just good and sometimes that's all you need. That's fine, you know. Um but I like what they tackle with that and that the roots of the Federation are, you know, there's that whole thing about coming to terms with empires and how they're built on gold where they get the gold from kind of thing. And, you know, the Federation yeah. is obviously more empathetic than, like, imperialism. <laughs> but, you know, those military outlets said to go somewhere. And then, like, that, the idea that, like, oh, what is lifelong servitude to, like, a fascist embodiment do to, like, a person's psyche? Like, they can't, if they can't live, like, without that, it's because it's all they know. And, like, how do, like, you rehabilitate someone like that? And, like, sometimes someone gets a little too lost there, like... It's not developed, like, super in-depth, you know? It's not like a, a, a fucking Ryan Johnson movie or something. But it's totally there. And I, Kirk and... Um, I, see, I, can't, uh, I can't even remember the villain's name. I, I just know him as Idris Elba. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but um, uh, he, they have that... Uh, cr- crawl, but the, yeah, but then... But then, then he, he has the... the oh, I can't uh, remember his uh, human Edison. name. Edison, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. To my credit, they don't reveal that name until yeah. the end of the film. But yeah. he has that nice moment with Kirk at the end, where uh, Kirk's like, you know, like it doesn't matter. Like you, you keep trying to do better because that's that's like how we win. That's that's what the Federation stands for. You know, we're always trying to be better. And so to me, that's like that's a really great way of confronting the fifty-year history of Star Trek. Where it's like, can it still be that? Does it need to? evolve like yeah probably a little bit but the ideals are still sound enough that those don't ever have to change you know and so i just i don't know i i love this movie i i would i might have seen it more than oh nine now actually no that's not no. true but i i think that will happen in my lifetime because it, it is a comfort food movie for me it totally is just like an old episode of star trek where they go down to the planet except on a movie budget obviously so it looks way better um, if I had a nitpick, uh, the the look of the film is also like a little TV in terms of the color and like stuff like that. But that, that nitpick, yeah. nitpick. He, uh, yeah, they used the the same. I mean, he basically used his Fast and Furious team on this. You know, so mm-hmm. it was shot by S- Stephen Winden, right? Who had shot all the Fast and Furious movies. And yeah, I, I'm not ex- I'm not a huge fan of of the the lighting and and everything, but it was the first Star Trek movie to be shot digitally. Ah, but, um, okay. Oh yeah, and they're even yeah. like, duh. See, I I thought it was just going to be me who kind of thought that, but yeah, I no, I, no, I, yeah, I, I saw this um, uh, in 4K Dolby Vision. And it was nice looking, but yeah. the 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 feel, the feel of it just going from you know the the Abrams directed ones to this, it did feel just different in like a very artif- yeah. artificial, not like you know, not 
not uh, not great looking to my eyes compared to the other two. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some. I mean, like the, the some of the production design. Like you look at like that Yorktown set and everything. It's just oh, great, yeah. you know. And um, the costumes, I think, is kind of a cool update. You know. Oh, I love the costumes in this. I want yeah. one of those costumes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, it's it just isn't on par with I think what JJ was doing, and and because of that, I mean, it's my least favorite of the three. Jesus Christ! Sorry, sorry, sorry. Now, really see, love see, Diggle, now you can say fuck you to Mike. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, you can. That's, that's that's cool. But um, no, no, like I, I can't. I, like th- that was the thing which I, I I've talked about this before, but like throughout you know into dark into darkness like those three years you know waiting for beyond i was like i love into darkness you know this is this is really cool and somewhere in the back of my head was always like do i just like it because it's the newest one (laughs) you know and then this came out and like i watched it like alone you know by myself uh the first time and it was that you know like Okay, is it work? Yes, okay, it's working. I can say that this is a good movie. Fine. And then, like, the next day, I went to, like, a triple feature, you know? And I, even though I had only seen Beyond the one time, like, I found myself, like, really looking forward to, like, Into Darkness and then Beyond. It was just like, okay, you know? And it kind of proved to me that, like, no, no, I legit love Into Darkness and, you know, that that's okay, I, th- I think I don't know. Yeah, you it is. Okay. think that. Yeah, yeah I think that. that. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, know, no, it's, it's fine. It is. It is. But I mean, people, the critics love that movie, and and the one that's weird. It's like one of those movies which everybody seems to hate, even though like the reviews are really good. Like we're, we're talking Go. about Into Darkness. I thought yeah. critics didn't like that one. I don't oh, know. No, I don't. no, no. Uh, I mean, there's people on, on, the, on film, film Twitter. Vocally, like Mike's saying right now, I, I I think he's actually got it right on that. Like critics okay. liked it, but like on film Twitter, like it's been very negative. And I think it's one of those ones where people kind of like kind of ashamed of how they felt at the time. And like you know, like I, I, I yeah, I've been be open about like me liking Into Darkness when I first saw it, you know, and I don't like it anymore. And sometimes you change your your taste changes in movies. Sometimes you're Same. asking for something else, and that's okay. You know? Say, saying all that, I have to say, you know, um, a continuation of the last episode, I I did find myself liking Into Darkness more because it is, I think, interesting. I'm not going to say it's better than Beyond. No, Thank sir. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is my second favorite. Beyond is second favorite. Uh, 09 is number one. And then three. And this uh, trilogy is Into Darkness. But I still find Into Darkness interesting, even though I hate aspects of it. Like it's en- it's entertaining. Episode. All of these it are entertaining. entertaining. It's an entertaining trilogy through and through. Yes. Just just for the sake of whatever on Rotten Argument. Tomatoes, Into Darkness is eighty four percent. Oh, okay. And the audience score is eighty nine percent. See, in my head canon, I always thought it, it came in like at like sixty or like seventy. But mm-hmm. okay, fine, fair enough. Yeah. Into Darkness, you win this round. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. um... I don't know if you guys have anything else. The, the the only other thing that I'll say about this movie, like even though I'm you know saying like ah whatever it's fine, <laughs> um, the 
Spock bone stuff is some of my favorite stuff ever. And there's one thing in particular which I really, really love, which I always talk about. Um, but the the scene where they think they're about to die and um, Spock is like, you know, I, 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 thought, I thought you always knew that I respected you you know like that sort of thing like you know we go back and forth and you know we give each other a bunch of shit but i i I just assumed that you know you knew that i i really like you you know like that that scene to me just uh, it really really resonates because i think maybe this is unhealthy or whatever but like that's basically like all of my friendships like in particular like you know my my friendship with with my co-host max who i do uh, a lot of podcasts with and who i've you know known and worked with and everything for you know 20 years at this point like we are constantly fighting and you know to the point that people are like you guys really don't like each other do you and it's like no no we do you know but we we can say you know fuck off that mission impossible idea is stupid and yet <laughs> has he has he said that to you mike has he said that? He's, he has said that to me on numerous occasions oh, um but like at idea. the same time like i i know that you know we respect each other or whatever. And, and that's the relationship that Spock and Bones have always had. And to see them verbalize it like that, uh, like that to me is special anyway. No, that's the beautiful moment. There's a lot of great character moments in this. It's not like a totally character centric adventure, but the pairings are like so exciting and mm-hmm. filled with like rich moments like that, like constantly in this film. And I, I think that's why it's also such a like a I, I think it's fair to say a fan favorite now for the, the yeah. hardcore Trekkies, at least. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Like to me, it felt it had like a disjointed feel like through the middle of it. And this is where I want to talk about the end. So the end is so perfect because it just ties everything together in a beautiful way. And it made the entire movie just, just makes sense because, you know, they're, they're, they're broken apart, you know, uh, across like um, the planets and they're fighting their own little fights. But at the end, it's just, it's just about them coming together as like a as like a family, right? And it 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 it, it congealed in my mind whenever uh, uh, Spock, new Spock, opened up that picture, and like the old cast was there, and I'm getting emotional thinking about it now. And you see them aged, and you see like their future, and you see like the reason why Spock has to stay. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. it's like why I love this franchise is like those characters. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. That, that photo is just kind of an interesting thing. Like that—that that was just like the, a publicity still from Star Trek Five. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, the 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 publicists. It's a it's a husband and wife team who worked on Star Trek Five. They they wrote like the definitive like Deep Space Nine companion and everything. They're awesome. Okay, and um, they wrote a little thing after this movie came out where they were like, um, you know, back when we were making Star Trek five, we were up against the, you know, everything was going wrong. And after like production had wrapped, like we 
needed to get this cast photo. And it was like, we had to like move heaven and earth to get everyone together to take this picture. And we took the picture and we're like, we got it. And then that was it. And like, it's been used, you know, a couple of times and it's been like this, that was a huge waste of time, (laughs) blah, 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 you know, whatever. And then they're like, so here we are, you know, 25 years later or whatever, 27 years later, sitting in the theater together watching Star Trek Beyond. And he opens up that thing and there's that picture and we're like, holy shit. Like it took 27 years, but all that hard work finally paid off. Because there Aww. it is in that moment, you know? So Amazing. it's yeah. kind of cool. Anyway. And, 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 um, another thing that got me emotional was the fact that this was, you know, they, it was a tribute to Leonard Nimoy who passed away. And also at the very end, Anton Yelchin, um, yeah. it, it was, it was rough. Like whenever he passed Yelchin, that was unexpected and he had an amazing career ahead of him um and seeing him in this movie like they gave him a lot to do i i loved him in this movie and that fitting tribute at the end of the, at the you know for anton that was that broke me when i first saw yeah. this so yeah definitely yeah it's 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 i know we were kind of ragging on the the episodes we talked about today of uh, enterprise you know like we we were trying to softball it because it came from a place of love and it was described as a Valentine's letter to Star Trek fans. I think Star Trek Beyond carries that tradition. I, it comes together a lot better. Not to drag that right now, but like it, it does really feel like a big warm hug for for Star Trek fans. You know, doesn't doesn't push the envelope or anything like that. But maybe it didn't need to. You know, its aspirations were different, and I think it it really stuck the landing. And I guess I think we're getting ready to wrap up right now. But like. I guess the one other thing I, I would change is about Idris Elba's character. Idris? Idris? I always forget how to pronounce it. I think it's Idris. Idris? Idris. Yeah. Idris. Right, Idris Elba's character, when he's fighting Kirk and after their moment that I was hyping up earlier, he l- gets a look at his face with a, a floating oh, yeah. piece of broken glass. And when I first saw that, I was like, do it, do it, do it, do it. And I thought they were going to go full Star Trek villain, have him like try to redeem himself and help Kirk now that he's seen the monster he's yeah. become. And then they, they didn't do that, but that's okay. <laughs> it, like, it's, it's a nitpick. It's not an actual problem with the, the narrative. But if they did that, I would have just like started bawling in the theater because uh, <laughs> that, that would have been the ultimate Star Trek thing for me. For I, I, I had that thought, too, that that was going to happen, but... I mean, yeah. I think maybe we're, we're supposed to think that. It's like, oh, maybe he'll turn. But no, let's just, let's just make him full on bad. Oh, well. Oh, well. All right. So should we should we do our our, uh, our rankings of oh, yes. the, of the oh, movies? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll How just take we uh, uh, turns and then everyone How? breaks down their, their 13. How do we do this for Michael Bay? I can't remember how we did that because we think, did that too. Yeah, you know, right? I think we did it like you do one, then I do one, then someone else does one. But yeah, okay. I think with Star Trek movies, we, we've we've spoken longer than the Michael Bay ones. So I don't know if you guys <laughs> want to just run them down like your thirteen, then my thirteen, then Mike's thirteen, or whatever. Okay, whatever. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, somebody else go first. <laughs> okay, I, I can go first. It's fine. You, right, if you want to save uh, Mike, the best yeah. for last. Yeah, Mike. All Mike's right. last. So mine might be a little <laughs> weird, but at number thirteen, my least favorite Star Trek movie is Generations. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, Mike. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> at number twelve is Star Trek Five. 
you already know. Uh, number 11, Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. Number 10 is Star Trek Into Darkness, a movie I still enjoy, but not crazy about. Star Trek 9, uh, at number 9 is Star Trek Insurrection. At number 8 is Star Trek Nemesis. Number 7 is Star Trek First Contact. At number 6 is Star Trek The Motion Picture. At number 5 is Star Trek 09. At number 4 is Star Trek 4, The Voyage Home, fitting. At number 3 is Star Trek 6, The Undiscovered Country. Number 2 is Star Trek Beyond. And number 1 is Wrath of Khan. Sorry, it's a, it's a, it's a safe choice, but like, <laughs> it's one of the only two you could have up there. Or three, excuse me, three for me. But I think there's a clear two choices that are going to take that spot for both of you. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, I'm going to go next, and I'm going to start off by saying I'm sorry, Mike. Cause here we go. Oh, no. Okay, okay. okay, it happens. Number 13, Star Trek Generations. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Number 12, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Yeah! Hey. Number 11, Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, number 10, Star Trek Insurrection. Okay. Number 9, Star Trek Into Darkness. Number 8, this might be, I don't know, Star Trek First Contact. It's number 8. <laughs> Crazy, right? Mm. Uh, above that, <laughs> Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock at 7. Then at number 6... Actually, I'm going to do that. And number six, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Number five, Star Trek Beyond. Number four, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Number three, Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country. Going to be two left. I wonder what's going to be number one. Star Trek 09 at number two. And then Star Trek Wrath of Khan at number one. Woo! There you go. There you go. I, I'm surprised that I had 09 up so high, but this rewatch, it pushed it up there. So It's a good one. Yeah. All right, Mike? Okay. <laughs> number number 13, Insurrection. <laughs> number 12, The Final Frontier. I think that's all of our 12. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, William Shatner. Tw- yeah, that's definitely the second worst. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, number 11, Nemesis. Okay. Number 10, the Motion Picture, number nine, Beyond. That's low. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't know. Um, number eight, The Search for Spock. Number seven, The Voyage Home. Number six, Generations. Okay. Yeah, right. okay. <laughs> there it is. Fair. Number five, First Contact. And here's where it starts getting controversial. Yep. <laughs> number four, Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. Number mm-hmm. number three, The Wrath of Khan. Jesus wow. Christ. <laughs> number two, The Undiscovered Country. And number one, Star Trek 2009. Wow. Okay. Okay. Did not expect that. Mm. I, yeah, I... Uh... I kind of expected it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, Undiscovered Country is badass. You know, it's better yeah. than Wrath of Khan. Sorry. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I, I accept your apology. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so, there's a lot of great movies to choose from is what we're saying. No, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, uh, I could rewatch any one of these, really. 
I could. And I'd be okay with it. I'd, I'd rather not, not for a couple, yeah. but I could. <laughs> like, There's a line would, for you. It, it wouldn't be like putrid, I guess. <laughs> that's the uh, thing. It, it's not a painful experience to revisit these. No, yeah. That, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's not painful for me to to experience these again, ever. So if I were just to sit down and watch Generations, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. I mean, I guess getting back to the whole, you know, like, fan versus looking at these things critically or whatever, like, you know, there's the, the fan mantra is, you know, there's no such thing as bad Star Trek. And that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> uh, but... I will say that I don't think that any of these movies are bad. Some of them are very close, but none of them are bad. Um, you know, and they're, they're just some which are better than others. You know, what we forgot to do, and we have to just go back and redo this whole thing, is we forgot oh. to put in Galaxy Quest in there. Oh so let's go back. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. Um, yeah, okay. So so not to, uh, you know, whatever, but um, th- this isn't the end of Star Trek movies, and there, there will be more Star Trek movies. And just to give an idea, like right after Beyond came out, they announced that you know that they would be doing another Star Trek movie with J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay coming back to to write a script finally, you know, for a movie that would be produced uh, where Captain Kirk meets his dad and the two Chris's uh, are you know team up for in the same movie and S.J. Clarkson who directed uh, the pilot for, I was going to say Alias, but Jessica Jones, I guess is the, the, the real name of that show. She was going to direct it and everything, and it was going to be great. And the two Chris's basically, you know, they were like, okay, we came up with this deal for this money. And the studio, after I think Beyond came out, was like, well, but we're not going to be making that much money. So we can't pay you that much money. And they're like, well, but you told you, but you said you were going to pay us. So we're not going to do the movie if you don't pay us that much money. And they're like, okay, fine. We're not going to do the movie. So then it fell apart. And that really bums me out because I, I thought that would have been badass. But, uh, as, as a result, they've shifted gears. There was, well, there was the Tarantino thing, which oh, that's right. Um, that took well, up what, like two years of your life, Mike, where you were yeah. anticipating that, <laughs> and that fell apart. I, I have a shirt. I, I have, um, yeah, it's it's a shirt that says "written and directed by," or no, it just says "directed by Quentin Tarantino," but it's in like Star Trek original series font. I, I started like. I mean, I had it all worked out in my head, you know, like Tarantino being Tarantino, like he does it where like he, you know, because he always uses like music from old movies. Like what if he scores it with nothing but like the original series or, you know, even the original movies, whatever, like how amazing would that have been? But it was just not meant to be. Um, Is that that script floating around anywhere? Are we ever going to read it? If anyone has it, contractstars at gmail dot com. Send it our way, please. Um, yeah, it was written by um, what's his name, Mark Smith, the guy who wrote The Revenant. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, because like Tarantino, like uh, he pitched like, it, like pitched it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then to some writers, and like one of them 
took hold of it and did it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they, yeah. they developed like a writer's room and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then, uh, and then, and then uh, he's decided he didn't want to do it. They might still make it. You never know. But the one which is in active development right now is being written and directed by Noah Hawley of Legion and Fargo and Lucy in the Sky fame. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. No one knows what it is. No one knows if it has the this cast or not. But there are Star Trek movies in the future someday. And people start making movies again. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> and and then of course there's also Lower Decks, which comes out very soon. So exciting times, exciting for, times for Star Trek fans, um, yeah. which which we all are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. imagine if like one of us came out of this saying, "I hate Star Trek." <laughs> hey, but it could happen, right? I mean, that's, that's it, it been, could. Been I, I've done retrospective series on, on my channel, you know, where you come out the other end, you're like, why did I like anything ever? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Why? <laughs> yeah. No, All yeah, right. But this was fun. I mean, I, I mean, before you'd wrap it up, Mike, this was fun. I, I have to say this at the end of every series. At the end of Bayhem, I had a great time talking to you guys. And at the end of this, just the same. Just great fun talking about these great movies, you know, varying degrees um but yeah i i'm happy how this turned out yeah agreed and thanks for for letting us uh do this on your uh more more than happy to and thanks for editing these mike i haven't done it yet but uh (laughs) future future you i'm not not gonna be working for like another month so send them my way we can get this stuff uh, (laughs) out knocked out yeah (laughs) And then we'll start the Mission Impossible series right away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, th- these are always great, and it's, it's great talking to you guys, and good to see we're all surviving right now. I think. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's th- nice. I mean, you know, we did this during a pandemic. We're still doing it during a pandemic, still going on. So it's been something to look forward to each week or whenever we decide to sit down and record these. So yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well. Um, I don't know. Do we try this one last time? Yes, uh, pl- we have to. Uh, okay. Plugs first, right? Yes. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, plugs. yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. I You're so this. eager yeah. to end this. <laughs> We're not. No, no more podcasting ever for any of us again. <laughs> this is the pinnacle. This is my, oh, by the way, this is my final podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Diego, where can people find you? You could find me at the Diego Crespo on Twitter. Uh, check out the Waffle Press on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where I I do other retrospectives with other other cool peoples. But uh, I haven't talked Star Trek with any of them, not so you, you know, just just pointing that out. <laughs> All right, what about you, Marcelo? Talkfilmsociety.com. That's uh, the host of this series and other great series. Check them out. Check us out. I am part of them. I am Talk From Society. We are Talk From Society. Um, uh, Podcast writing. Read us. Love us. Please. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Talk From Society for more, for bonuses, and to support us. Um, That's it. Black Lives Matter. Thanks. All right, and you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on my website, filmdamagepod.com, doing a show called Film Damage, as well as a show called Elementary Temporal Mechanics, uh, where we talk about 
time travel in Star Trek, and we do audio commentaries for episodes of Lower Decks and just talk about random Star Trek things, whatever. Like, I just uh, released an episode where we were like, hey, they're doing a table read at San Diego where the cast of Discovery is going to be um, performing a scene from an episode that they all made and released last year and that seems really pointless so (laughs) what if they were to do a table read for an episode of deep space nine who would play who let's get weird with it you know things like that plenty of star trek content over there on the good old film damage pod.com uh so yeah i guess that's it should we do this yeah i got a good feeling about this one all right last last one ready go Three, two, one. I have had enough of you. Boom, we got it. (laughs) Live long and prosper, motherfuckers. (laughs) 